Welcome to the One Rental at a Time podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. On this channel, we have simple goals. We want to inspire investors to move forward. We want to create belief that one rental at a time is possible. And we want to help you take positive steps forward. If you want to learn more about your host, Michael Zuber, please go to Amazon and buy his book, self-titled or self-published, One Rental at a Time. I believe there's a link in the description. If you're ready to get started with buy and hold rentals, but unsure what to do, I strongly encourage you to consider buying our online course. It gives you the tools to get started, help you learn your market, allows you to compare deals, and so much more. Lastly, by buying the course, you are granted access to a private Facebook group where I and my students interact daily. Everyone is equal, and we just keep helping everyone move forward. It is so much fun to watch, and again, I believe a link is in the description. With that, on with the show. Hey everyone, we are really lucky to continue this weekly conversation between myself and Anna, the REI mom. And today we're gonna talk about lending, we're gonna talk about you know, if there's a downturn coming, what you should do, you know, all of those things. But before we just jump in, let's welcome Anna to the show. How are you doing, Anna? I'm doing great, Michael. I'm coming to you today from Sarasota, Florida. So I left about 25 degrees this morning to come to 70 degree weather. So I'm really happy. <laughs> you have no idea. How... This last week, this is making me happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have clothes for 25 degree weather. I, I really don't. I, when it gets to 60, I freak out. So 25? Yeah, me too. <laughs> you can't put on enough. You just still, you're still cold to the bone. <laughs> oh my goodness, 25 degrees. Wow, that's... And snow flurries. We already have snow. It's not even December. It's supposed to be fall. Wow, that's so... true. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Wow, my goodness. I was glad I got to fly to Florida for the winter. I think <laughs> I'm going to have to make a habit out of that. <laughs> yeah, you could, you, could, you could pick up a homestead in Florida and make it your primary residence and not have state tax. That, that's, a, that's not a bad but... thing. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna have to add that to my plans. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. So um, you actually brought up a great idea for today's topic. Uh, why, don't, why don't you sort of set it up and, and we'll just kind of dive in. Sure. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about and, and talking to people about different things to do to prepare for a downturn, which we've kind of talked about that in terms of the types of properties that you want to buy, but also just thinking about freeing up capital. So when properties go down in value or there's a downturn, really cash is king. So being able to either have cash available to buy um, properties all cash or just for a bigger down payment on something, it's really a good idea right now to start thinking about how you can free up some cash or free up even lines of credit, free up equity from your properties so that you have money set aside at very low interest rates historically to be able to capitalize on a property purchase when the right asset comes, whether it be, you know, next month or whether it be, you know, during a coming recession. I think that's a great topic because when you think about what we've been through the last decade, there's, there's a lot of us out there that have done okay, right? They, maybe you bought in, in 10 or 12 or 14 or really no matter when you have equity, uh, at least in most, most cases. 
Mm-hmm. And now if we're sitting here, as we both think, maybe at the peak, kind of, you know, rolling over, what should someone do? Um, you know, I'm happy to talk about what we've done, but why don't you kind of set that up and really what to look for and what are some of the, some of the advice you might have for some of that, you know, maybe sitting on, maybe their LTV today is 50%, right? Maybe they, you know, they had some pay down and some appreciation, you know, some of the things they might want to think about. Sure. I, I think right now, you know, there's a, a big debate that you'll hear between sometimes it's older versus younger investors, or sometimes it's it's um, just more kind of conservative or, you know, the view to be more risky or, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the opinions about equity and whether you should have a paid off property mm-hmm. or whether you should utilize leverage. So there's a lot of um, discussion about that, but I don't think we ever really um, delve into the good reasons to have um, leverage on your properties. And so one of the things that I've thought through a lot over the last year and a half or so are um, utilizing leverage wisely, not mm-hmm. over leveraging yourself. Um, you know, if you have a, a property and, you know, you're at um, an area where property values are really volatile, where they really took a big hit, you know, maybe at the last crash and then came way back if you're in an area that might be volatile, you want to be a little more risk averse, you know, in terms of how much LTV you're willing to to borrow against. Um, but if you're in an area across, you know, most of the U.S. where values haven't gone significantly up or down over the last 10 years, then then you can pretty well um, figure out an average of what that property is going to be worth in good and bad times, and take advantage of that, and maybe leverage it up to 75 or 80 percent LTV only because right now interest rates are historically at the lowest of the low. And yeah. so when you have interest rates that are six, seven, eight percent, I would never recommend that you leverage 75 or 80 percent LTV. But when your rates are literally in a threes and fours, which they are even on commercial loans right now, mm-hmm. you can borrow so cheaply that rather than having your your money sitting there, your equity trapped uh, and they're on paper, but not able to be used, you can actually take that money that is yours, that equity belongs to you today, mm-hmm. and actually realize the gain that you might have in the value of those those properties by borrowing against it, mm-hmm. and then having cash available so that you can, um, you know, position yourself to to take advantage of prices coming down potentially during a recession. Yeah. And what you're really highlighting is really what I call phase two of wealth generation, right? You don't have to do it if you don't want to. If you just want to stay in phase one and buy properties and pay them off, good for you, right? That, that's a debate that's, like you say, is out there. But if your goal is growth, it is without question that leverage is the way to get there, healthy leverage or good leverage, whatever you want to refer to that as. And there's nothing better than a cash out refi done right, right? Don't do it like I did and wrote about in my book, creating an alligator that first time, just because I thought the mm-hmm. bank was going to be conservative. They're not. Mm-hmm. They over lent. And I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to say, no, thanks. I don't want that extra 20 grand. Give me less. But if you do it right, strategically, make sure the building or house still cash flows. Now's the time if you think, you know, because again, rates are low. We're at the peak. You know, phase two means you get to re-leverage capital, either via 1031 exchange or cash out refis. You're, you're so right with this topic. Now's the time to seriously look yourself in the mirror and go, okay, do I want to be ready to grow? Or do I just want to sit and pay off stuff? E- either answer is fine, but don't, don't sit in between and debate yourself. Just look yourself in the mirror and ask, 
ask that question, right? Do you want to pay off these two or do you want to leverage and get four or five? I mean, that's, that's really where people are probably going to be, I think. Right. And I think especially as you, as you look at wanting to grow your cash flow and your wealth, you know, if you've got quite a bit of equity, um, like I kind of mentioned, if, if you just keep paying down that mortgage and you don't do anything with that equity, if values do go down, any paper equity or paper net worth that you have is going to go down. So mm -hmm. if you don't use it, you lose it, potentially, if we're heading into a downturn. Mm -hmm. By basically cashing in now, you are, you are taking advantage of being up at the top or close to the top of the market when your property's worth mm -hmm. more now than it might be worth if we have values come down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you're basically just realizing that equity and making it real instead of just being on paper. And so, yes, you're paying a small interest rate to be able to do that. I would not recommend that you do that for luxury expenses or, you know, like buying a new car or putting a pool in your house. Yeah. You know, I only recommend doing this if you're going to take that money and realize money on the spread. So if I'm yeah. paying three and a half or 4% interest on 50 grand that I take out of a, a property, I can use that as my 20% down and buy another quarter of a million dollar property mm -hmm. that might, you know, maybe be a four unit in, in the Northeast and that be able to bring me another thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month on top of the mortgage payment for that second mortgage or that cash out refi. Mm -hmm. So use it strategically to create more cash flow and more net worth by buying more cash flowing properties. Yeah, you got to get that that spread or that positive leverage or positive carry as they call it, right? If you can borrow it four and earn eight, you know it's you know you do that all day long, right? That's what that's what the, the hedge funds and, and the like do all the time. And you exactly. as an investor, you have that choice, right? You, you are at, you're at a very rare moment. I've been doing this almost 20 years and I rates have never been this low. It's never been, I guess it was easier technically to get loans like in 06, 05, but these are solid loans people are getting. And, um, at lower interest rates. Yeah. Lower like half. I mean, I, I, my first loan was six and a half percent with 20% yeah. down. So, you know, now it's a, you know, for an investment loan in California, probably a four. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It, it is absolutely the right time. If you bought in 12, 13, heaven forsake, 10, you need to look <laughs> at your portfolio and go, you know, I have a lot of equity. I'm still growing. You know, you still love your job. You're not quite done yet. You still need more cash flow. Now's the time to step into phase two, look at your portfolio, see if you can't take some equity out. Do not, as Anna says, put in a pool, buy a car, take a vacation. This is all about the positive carry um, and, and, and enjoy phase two. Phase two is fun, but it, it is very risky because I saw lots of people buy that new F-150 or that new BMW and not a good idea. Right. And the other thing to think about is if we did have a downturn that was anywhere near like the last one, or, or let's say not even as bad, but you happen to lose your job. Mm -hmm. that equity that's sitting in your properties is going to do you no good. Because yeah. if you don't have a job, you're not going to be able to borrow against it when you need it. Yeah, so to point. be able to say, you know, if I were to lose my job, do I have enough cash flow coming in to cover my expenses while I'm laid off? And so by, by utilizing equity, you can create not only, you know, value by more property, but you're creating extra cash flow so that if you are hurt a little bit in a downturn, mm -hmm. you've got that extra cash coming in. You know, and that's why I started really buying property um, in the last downturn because I needed more cash flow for when I lost my job. And 
you know, thankfully for those of you that heard my story, I didn't end up losing my job, but it was really touch mm. and go and very stressful for a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, I learned to leverage my properties to buy more properties. And not only did it keep us afloat, but eventually is what led to our exponential growth and our wealth and our net worth by, you know, mm -hmm. using that equity and just continuing to reinvest it into more and more cash flowing properties. Yeah. So besides doing just uh, cash out refis or, or, you know, whatnot, um, you know, seconds, what, what about just going out and getting a signature line or a, you know, a signature loan or maybe a portfolio kind of equity loan or something? What, what do you think about those ideas? You know, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about the equity lines. And okay. the primary reason, Michael, is because while I can take a loan or a line, the line of credit, the benefit is I'm not paying interest until I'm using it. So yep. if I go out and I have a $100,000 line of credit, it's just sitting there available to me if I need it. But the reality is in the last downturn, when banks got skittish and nervous about real estate, the first yeah. thing they did was they called their lines of credit. And so if you have a $100,000 line of credit, and it, you know, you, you have $50,000, $75,000 taken out today to buy property yep. or to fix things up and the economy turns, that bank can call that loan, even if you're current on your payments. And they did in the last crash. And you have like 30 or 60 days to come up with enough money to pay that off. Well, if we're in a downturn when banks are skittish, you're not going to be able to pay that off unless you're already pretty well off. Mm -hmm. And so the, the beauty of a loan over a line is that it is set in stone. You have that money, you don't have to pay it off and they can't call that loan unless you are in default or a line of credit they can. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous about lines of credit right now. I do have one large one that I have a, a decent balance on, but I know I have enough cash that I could pay it off today if I had to. And that's why I'm comfortable keeping a balance at 4% yeah. when I can use that money. And I did to buy properties that are yielding me, you know, 25% plus. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good spread. Borrow it for earn yeah. 25. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, my yeah, goodness. I'll do it all day long. <laughs> yeah. Can I have a bigger line, please? Yeah. Anyways. Yes. But you yeah. know, when I took that line, Michael, it was a little bit risky because if they had called it right away, I wouldn't mm. have been able to pay it off and then I would have been in trouble. So yeah. I think you just have to have a good balance of loans versus lines. Um, the same with, with like business credit cards. I like to have business credit cards that offer me 0% balance transfers a lot. Mm -hmm. And I like to have multiple. So for each of my LLCs, I have multiple business credit cards that give me twenty dollars to $40,000 available credit. And mm -hmm. I don't keep them in use very often. But when I do have something I need to, um, to purchase or to mm -hmm. rehab or even a down payment on a really small property, yeah. I'll use those because I know that if it, if it gets um, outside of that 0%, you know, phase, I can transfer it to another card or I've got enough cash to, to right. kind of sustain myself. So I like business credit cards that stay off your personal credit. I like loans. I like lines. I just think you have to be very careful and make sure that no matter what type of cash you're accessing, that you don't overextend yourself and that you can pay it off if you had to. Yeah. The other thing about lines, I saw lots of people last time. I remember one guy specifically had a million dollar line and, um, it's probably 2009 at this point. So prices are really getting distressed mm -hmm. and he goes out, writes an offer on a portfolio of, I think it was six houses for like 600 grand. And he, then he went to go use his line and they yanked it. They just closed wow. it. And he's like, I can't buy this deal. Right. And, they, and the yeah. deal was 50% off and you know, all these things. 
So just because you have a line doesn't mean the line will be there when you want to use it. Banks get skittish to, to, to use Anna's uh, kind of phrase. And it's so true. Uh, a loan, a loan's a loan, right? The money there, right, right at closing, put it in a separate account or whatever you want. So yeah, think about it. Uh, and I like the business credit cards. I haven't actually done that. So I should, um, I should look into that. That's good. Oh, they have saved me, Michael. You know, when you have issues like um, unforeseen fires or, yeah. you know, mold claims that put you out, you know, where your the amount of damages is above your loan limits. Yeah. I mean, they're there for an emergency. And I, I had to put 30 grand on a business card, one, credit card one time. Okay. The nice thing is I called them up and I said, I'd like a 0% um, balance transfer. Will you deposit the money in my account? So I got the use of that money for 18 to 21, 20 to 21 months at nice. 0% with like a 3% fee. So nice. it was pretty cheap money in an emergency. Um, and maxing it out didn't affect my personal credit like a personal credit card will. So, you know, I think you need to get them, just use them very, very sparingly and strategically. I like it. I'm and the other thing you mentioned, portfolio loan. So I am not a big fan of portfolio loans. And it's not to say that people haven't used them successfully, because I know a lot of investors who have them and are happy with them. But mm -hmm. the thing about a portfolio loan is, they lock you into basically a certain LTV. And so yep. if you have a downturn or you have any financial situation in your family that makes you need to be able to sell a property quickly, if it is in a portfolio loan and you pay off that property, you may have to come up with a chunk of cash equivalent to some portion of that equity of that property to pay down that equity loan even more than what that property itself might, you might be able to sell it for. And so I just always want to be able to, to be malleable with my properties and have total control mm -hmm. of when I need to rent them, when I need to sell them. Yeah. And so if I need to, an exit, I want every exit possible, owner financing, whatever it is. And if I'm in a portfolio loan, yeah. I'm really restricted to what I can do. So I don't personally like them. I'd rather pay a little more in closing costs and get individual loans yeah. so that I have complete flexibility um, you know, with, with those, those properties when I need to. Yeah, I, I agree. I do know lots of people that use them for simplicity and this, that, and the other, but I think you're right. Pay a little bit more in fees, have the flexibility. Cause I do have one portfolio loan. It's two apartment buildings that are literally next door to each other. Um, so it just kind of made sense. Same buyer, you know, all of those things. But yeah, if I wanted to go sell one of them, um, I'm sure I would have to come up with a big chunk and change and to, to, you know, exit that. But yeah, no, you are 100% correct. So I can tell you yes. something I did to get ready for this downturn. So yes. it's about a year ago, maybe 10 months ago. We looked at all the properties we bought between 2010 and 12. Let's just say it was 25 properties or yeah, let's just say that. And what we decided to do is we decided to uh, take, which our average LTV was probably 30% at the time. So lots of equity. Uh, what we Amazing. did is, yeah, what we did is we took our LTV on all of our multifamilies, right? So duplexes, tries, and quads. So still residential, but below commercial. We levered those up to 75%. We obviously got a chunk of cash. And then we went out and paid off all our single family homes. So, you know, we have um, one that's, you know, high, you know, one pile that has a decent LTV. Uh, in Fresno is a market that got crushed last time. It went down 50%. Um, wow. So, you know, heaven forsake that happened again, there'd be a pile over there where that's underwater, frankly. Um, and then we'd have a whole pile that's free and clear. And again, we did that because we wanted to have options. 
right? We now have a pile of stuff that says, hey, the worst comes to worst and we have to let everything go. Can't touch these. And um, we did that on, on purpose. I call that phase three of wealth creation. After you've gone through phase one and two, you get to play with your portfolio. So that's something we did. What, anything you've done as we get ready for this one? I think that's really smart. I just want to say that real quick. Um, you know, it's, a, it's that good balance. So oftentimes, sometimes couples are on a different page too. And my husband is one that says, we need to pay everything off and not have any mortgages. And why are you buying this other one? We haven't paid any down yet. And I'm like, Kent, it's because we are paying three to 4% interest. Yeah. I don't ever want that equity trap. But yeah. some people, they just can't get over that. And that's like the, the idea of what their parents and their grandparents, yeah. their goal was always have a house free and clear. Yeah. And to your point, the benefit is nobody can touch that, at least not banks. Yeah, where property I taxes see, and stuff, but yeah. Yes. Now, where I see a risk with having a, a paid off house, especially as you have more and more property and you have more and more risk of lawsuit, mm -hmm. is that if you have a tenant that, God forbid, dies in a fire mm -hmm. or they trip on your property because of snow and ice, at least we have that problem here in the Northeast, um, they can sue you. And so if you have anything that you own free and clear, that is just um, a nest egg for them to go after because they can say, listen, he's got a property that's worth three or $400,000. I want that property. Any good attorney is going to go see what all do you own mm -hmm. and what's free and clear. And what I was told by um, one of my real estate attorneys was, listen, if you have a property and you owe 75 to 80% of the value of that property to the bank, we're not even going to try to go after it because the legal cost involved in trying to take a property that has a mortgage that the bank has first rights to um, is pretty high. And so it's a threshold that most attorneys are not even going to go after those properties because it's going to be hard for them to get to those assets without mm -hmm. tying them up for a long time and without selling them. And then you've got realtor costs, you've got closing costs and transfer fees. It's just not worth it to mm -hmm. go after those properties. Instead, they'll just go after your insurance policies. So I don't like having paid off properties primarily for the liability, secondarily, because it's that lost opportunity cost that mm -hmm. I could use by leveraging it and then buying something else. So that's just my personal mm -hmm. um, feeling on that. But my husband would be thrilled if we took <laughs> some money and paid off a couple properties. And I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, you free up a lot of um, costs and, and you increase your cash flow because you don't have a mortgage. So you're not paying interest. Um, and mm -hmm. while the interest rates are low, over time, you're paying a big chunk of money, you know, on interest that, you know, you may have phased out of how much you can take it against your taxes, depending on the tax code. And so all those kinds of things that you want to do, but I like that you found a balance of, of, keeping some and, and paying off others. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, that is often debate. Uh, we, we talk about that all the time, right? There is the whole, if you get sued thing, obviously every property has insurance. Obviously we have a monster umbrella policy. We have multiple yeah. LLCs, you know, all of those things, but yes, <laughs> one horrible thing could happen and we could, we could lose, we could lose it. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's certainly a risk out there for sure. What are you doing yeah. as you get ready for this downturn? Are you repositioning equity or getting lines or what, what, what are you doing in your business? Yes. Yeah, so I, right before I retired in May, I took out a home equity loan 
um, because I knew that I would want that access to that money. And I wasn't sure when I was leaving my job, whether it'd be as easy for me to get loans without being employed. Yeah. I figured it wouldn't be, but thankfully, because I had all this other, you know, income coming in from my rentals, it really was pretty easy to continue oh. to get loans. Um, but I did go ahead and, and get a hundred thousand dollar home equity loan. And I set that aside just in case I found a property I wanted to buy. And literally like two weeks after I closed that loan, I had a property drop in my lot, a lab, an off market 10 unit. So I was like, cha-ching, I've got the money. I got it. So I put 10% down. I had the seller hold a 10% second and I financed 80%. So really it's a hundred percent financed and it still cash flows a couple thousand dollars a month. Oh, I feel so bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a perfect example of where, Yes, I wouldn't say over leverage, but if I can be a hundred percent LTV and cash flow a couple thousand dollars a month, and I know I bought the property really well, meaning yeah. well under what it was really worth, then yeah. in those situations, it's fine to be highly leveraged. Do I want to be a hundred percent leveraged on everything? There is no way. It's really mm-hmm. risky. But on a few properties here and there, it can be you know a really good thing to do. So um, I did that. I also went back to a bank um, where I had a rate that came due. So with these commercial Mm -hmm. loans, oftentimes they're 20 years, but you have a fixed rate for like five years. And then they vary every single year on the anniversary date of your loan, the rate changes. And with me, it's prime. So prime is pretty low, um, but it still went up to, I think, five and a quarter. And I don't remember the rate off the top of my head because I have so many loans, Michael, but (laughs) I went in, I got them to cut it. I think I ended up at like 4.2 or 4.3%. So almost so a full I got point. Them, yeah. yeah, it was just about a point that I got them to shave off of that loan. And I just went to the bank and said, listen, I've got this property. I've got a lot of equity in it. My rate just reset. I don't really want to take it to another bank and refinance it away from you. Mm-hmm. Can I give you the opportunity to reduce yeah. the rate? And what would I have to pay as a one-time adjustment? Yeah. And they said, $250 or $300. It was a one-time fee and they cut my rate by a percent and they locked it in for another five years. There you go. So to me, you know, by, by going to the, you know, a, a small bank that you have a relationship with and saying, I want to, you know, take advantage of the slower rate. I don't want to take it elsewhere. What can you do for me to keep it with you? Sometimes you'd be surprised at the hoops that they'd go through. So um, they offered me a much better rate and, and that freed up, um, you know, some cash flow sure. and allowed me to lock in the rate without paying for an appraisal and a couple thousand dollars to refinance it. Mm-hmm. So I wish I had more rates that were coming due now. I have a <laughs> few that expire like in February and March of next year. So I'm hoping rates kind of stay low. And I actually thought about, it's funny you asked, I thought about this on my plane ride over like all the things I wanted to do to set myself up in the next couple months. And I thought, I'm going to just call the bank and say, they don't really reset till February, but can I go ahead and lock in the low rate now on a few more of those yeah. properties? It's not yeah. really giving me more cash, but it's lowering my payment and locking For in sure. those rates so that I don't have to worry that if rates go up, I get stuck with a higher payment again. That's, that's your, see the things you can do when you have time to think and plan your business. That's awesome. That's just, this yes. is really cool. Yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. Well, any closing comments on this topic as we wrap this one up? It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully people got a ton of value out of it. Yeah, I think just look at your portfolio and you know, think about the fact that this is kind of a high point in the market. 
Are there properties that you really don't like and that you've been thinking about selling? Sell them now while property values are high. Um, if it's a property that you really like and you've got some equity, think about how you might use that equity if you decide to um, you know, purchase some additional things and just make a list of all of the loans that you have, um, all of the properties and how much equity you have, and then think about what you can do to tap into some of that equity um, potentially apply for some loans or lines of credits or, or to apply for some good business credit cards while um, the rates are pretty cheap to be able to do that. Well, very cool. Uh, Anna, enjoy your mastermind event. Enjoy the weather. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Sounds great. Y'all yeah. have a good week. Thank you.